are now going to get into our message this morning, so prepare your hearts to hear a word from God. Restoration Church, happy Memorial Day weekend. Um, obviously, we celebrate as a, as a nation everything that, um, you know, every life that has been, um, that's been given to protect our freedoms. And, you know, if anybody has any family members uh, or anybody who's been lost in your family with, throughout its history, man, just thank you so much that today as we worship, we can do so without, really without any fear. And um, so just... Thank you, everybody, at any location for just for that. And so just make sure you take time tomorrow um, as, uh, you know, as you get the day off and celebrate to just remember what has been given um, for us to be citizens and inhabitants of this nation. One last, one other thing before we kind of jump into the message. Fisher Cats, we're going to a New Hampshire Fisher Cats game together on June 15th. Your deadline for purchasing tickets is tomorrow. So if you go on our events page on our website, you can, um, you can purchase some tickets. Every ticket comes with uh, hot dog, chips, and a drink, and a New Hampshire Fisher Cats baseball hat. So it's pretty good. We're all going to look the same next week. People will be like, <laughs> uh, well, anyway. So um, if you can do me a favor uh, in the back, just adjust my volume a little bit. That will help me because um, I already feel a little bit like I need to whisper. But let's jump into our, into our message. Um, we are finishing up our series called Beyond Blessed. And today we're talking about living the beyond blessed life. And I want to thank you for everybody who was here last week and uh, everyone who participated in giving to Feed One, which is an initiative by Convoy of Hope. And uh, last week at the end of our service, we had a kind of a special Kingdom Builders emphasis and we made commitments to give monthly to feed children around the world through Feed One. And I don't know our totals yet because we didn't open any of the envelopes that you gave us as we promised we would. We mailed them to Convoy of Hope and um, once they get everything tabulated, uh, they'll send us back a report of the amount we're giving and we'll share that with you when we know it. Uh, one thing that you maybe you've experienced last week, maybe you've experienced in your past, um, or that you experienced kind of on, on the frequent, maybe you never have, I'll share this with you, giving is fun. And uh, a lot of people don't know that, a lot of, you know, little kids certainly don't know that, uh, you have to teach them that, and once they begin to catch it, you know, it's a, it's a special thing to witness Giving and generosity is the life of those who experienced life beyond blessed. In our culture, hashtag blessed is usually a inward focus or, or selfishly motivated statement. It's about the things I have. It's about nice things, new things, expensive things. It's about me and what I have. That's not what being blessed is 
all about. It's really not what it's about at all. And when we make it about our possessions, we miss it. And we're not living beyond blessed. We're living below blessed. Uh, it's not blessed at all. It's, it's kind of a wrong idea of what this is. And so we've been talking about that this series to just try to help us to understand what, what being blessed by God is and then realizing that, there's, that there is even something beyond that that he has for us. In church or in scripture, when we talk about the idea of blessed, what we're seeing and what we're, what we're meaning when we say that is that the hand of God is active in our life, is active in everything we do. So you can be blessed by God in your relationships, blessed by God in your career, blessed by God in your health, blessed by God in your finances, blessed by God uh, in your church. But it's that the hand of God is active in the things that you're doing and in the things that you're participating in. This goes from our recreation, this goes to our nap times, this goes to our, you know, in every, in every area of our life, when we're pursuing God and following God, we see his blessings, and we want to make sure that we acknowledge those, that we're continually giving him thanks for those, as we talked about in the first week, or in the third week, that we have gratitude toward every blessing that we have. Beyond blessed, this idea of beyond blessed. So there's the blessing of God, his hands in your life, you're following him, you see him active in your life. Beyond blessed means that God is blessing others through you. And so it's not about what he's doing for you, it's about what he's doing to others through you. And he's inviting you to be a participant in that. So think about this, all right? When you, when, when you, when you, if you have kids, if you've never done this, you gotta, you gotta train them to do this. But come around Christmas time, come around siblings' birthdays, come around their friends' birthdays. Help them not to just write their wish list of what they want for Christmas or, you know, or, or for a holiday, but help them to begin to think, what could you give to someone else? And when you teach them that and you begin to use your resources to give to a family need through your kid, but you're inviting them into that joy of experiencing that, that's what God does through us, through our generosity and our giving. He's saying, hey, I could do it, I could do it for them alone. I could just do it. You'd never know about it. We could give to the family in need and never let our kids know about it. But he's training us. He's teaching us. He's allowing us to see his heart. He's allowing our hearts to be changed, to become more like him. And then, most importantly, he's giving us the joy of seeing that. So when your kids walk away saying, that was fun, I like that. And then you get to say, yeah, it was fun. And, and we get to share that joy together. This is what the beyond blessed life means. And this is where God wants every one of you. This is where God wants us. Now listen, I'm a pastor. I, I work here at the church. I work, I'm, I'm a full-time employee of the church. Because of that, people can question my motivations for talking about money. So we'll just kind of let, let's just kind of put that out there. I understand that. Um, a little bit of context for you though, I've been a part of this church for 35 years and I haven't been a pastor for 35 years. I am not quite that old yet, but my salary is paid by you. 
So when you give in the weekly offering, when you give out of your tithe, a portion of that pays for the building and the lights and the mortgage and the ministry and a portion of that pays for my salary and, and their location pastor's salary and, and some part-time employees that we have as well. Now, because my salary is paid by you, people can wrongly assume that I talk about money because I'm trying to get a pay raise. And I want you to know, though, my salary is not determined by me, all right? It's determined by the board of the church. So if you give more, I don't get to decide to pay myself more. I don't make that decision. So one thing that's probably important for some of you to know, and I want you to know, and and you may not believe me, you don't have to believe me, but I'm going to tell you, all right? My motivation for teaching this is to invite you to follow Jesus, and whether we talk about sexual purity, whether we talk about, about joy, whether we talk about forgiveness, whether we talk about heaven, my motivation is always to get you to follow Jesus and to invite you to follow him. And today, that's no different. It's to invite you today into a life where you experience every good thing that God has, to invite you into a life where Jesus uses you in the miracles he's doing around the world. Now, I want to share with you a story about some people who, not, who are not employed by the church, who attend here at the Dover location, and um, she shared this testimony with me and said, hey, I don't know if this will be helpful, um, but feel free to use it in this series if you want, and I said, absolutely, I'm going to share it with everybody. So um, if you are here at the Dover location, you may have met Corey and Rihanna Valley. Rihanna Valley serves in the kids' wing, so your kids know her for sure. And uh, if you attend another location, hopefully you get a chance to meet them soon. They're uh, a great couple. Corey's a, uh, a business owner, Rihanna's a stay-at-home mom, and homeschools their children, and this is their story. Hey, Pastor Nate. God has been laying it on my heart to share with you our testimony about giving to Kingdom Builders, to the Kingdom Builders Miracle Offering last year, in case it would be helpful, especially during the sermon series. Kingdom Builders, we give to you every single week. In November, we do a miracle offering where we are just, we're just, uh, um, just believing that a miracle happened. And I would say so. Um, I think our miracle offering last year was like $66,000 on that one Sunday, which was, which was mind-blowing. So she continues, Corey and I each prayed separately. This is about the miracle offering, praying about what they're going to give on that Sunday in November. We each prayed separately about what God would have us give. Right away, we each thought of a number, but we didn't tell each other because we wanted to keep praying and make sure. After a week or two, the number that we thought didn't change So we decided to tell each other our numbers and see if they matched. We were hesitant, though, because it was such a high number for us to even afford to give that we thought, surely that can't be it, and then thought, oh boy, what if that is it? (laughs) So we each wrote our number down and passed it to each other, and sure enough, the numbers matched, which was exciting and scary laugh out loud. (laughs) We knew it was from God and that we needed to give it right away and trust him to provide, so we did. And then within a few days, God blessed us right back with that exact same large amount of money in two unexpected ways. 
It is so exciting to step out in faith and see what God does. It's also exciting to think of all the good that money is doing for children's ministries in Honduras, which is something very dear to us. We, uh, one of our Kingdom Builders projects yesterday was to fund the start of children's ministries within existing churches in Honduras. And so we were able to give $40,000 to the missionary Rachel Mullins that we support monthly. And uh, she's using all over the country, literally the entire country, um, they're working with churches um, and training up leaders to start children's ministry there. I want to share with you this one thought, because I think, I think this is, resonates with some of you, and it, and it will. You, you will experience this. We thought, surely that can't be it, and then, oh boy, what if that is it? That's something, that's something I pray you get to experience, because that is fun. It is this wild thing to say, God has told me to do this thing that I cannot do. I wonder what he's gonna do. It is a wild place to be. I wanna look in scripture today. If you got your Bibles open to the book of Genesis, we're gonna be three different places in Genesis. So you'll wanna stay with me. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one for free at the Welcome Center in the lobbies at your location. And um, you can also open up your phones, open up your Bible app, or just Google it so you can stay with me. I'm going to read one verse from Genesis 24, but our first portion of scripture we're going to be looking at, it will be in Genesis chapter 12. So depending on how fast your phone is or how fast you can flip, you can turn to both or just jump ahead to Genesis 12 and wait for me there. We're going to look at and learn from someone who lived a beyond blessed life. His name was Abraham. And the scripture I'm about to read, Abraham was nearing the end of his life. His wife, Sarah, had passed away. And um, he had seen God do many, many miracles in the latter half of his life. And, uh, and thankfully, they were chronicled in scripture. So we have that to learn from. In Genesis chapter 24, verse number one, Abraham was now a very old man and the Lord had blessed him in every way. That's a great, that's a kind of amazing thing. And I want you to think about that. What would it be for your life to be nearing the end of it and to be able to know that God had blessed me in every way. This is what I want to be able to say in my old age. And certainly I can say it now, God has blessed me in every way, but I know that I have a choice over the next decades of my life to walk away from that blessing, to give up on that blessing, maybe to become entitled to that blessing and allow kind of my heart to be polluted through the process, but I want to be able to say it. As an old man, God has blessed my life in every way. I wonder, can you say that? Have you experienced that? Maybe you think he's blessed my life in these ways, but not in these ways. And today we're going to learn from Abraham about how to live the beyond blessed life. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Uh, we're talking about Abraham, but at this point in his life, uh, Abraham had not yet been renamed by God. So that's why he's been being called Abram here. And God has been speaking to him. And... Um, and so we start reading in verse number one, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives 
and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. I just say that's a beyond blessing. He didn't say, hey, hey, Abram, I got you. I tell you what, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna soup up your camel for you. I'm gonna give you a Gore-Tex tent. Um, you know, what everybody else has, you're gonna have the best. Oh, Abram was a very blessed man. He was a very, very wealthy man. But that was not what this was about, right? It was about what God was gonna do through him. It was about what God was gonna do to others. But there was a command in here that's a command for us. If we're, gonna, if we're gonna enter into that life that he has for us, into that kind of that wild life that he wants us to live, the first thing we see from the scripture is you have to leave what you know. For, for Abram, it all started with, hey, you gotta leave Ur and you're gonna move to this land that I'm gonna show you, which was in Canaan. And he packed up his stuff, he packed up his his employees, his family, his cattle, his sheep, he packed it all up. It was quite a huge caravan. It wasn't just him and his wife as we sometimes think. And he began to travel from Ur to Canaan. And so just to give you an idea of where that, we're not exactly sure where Ur is, uh, but that's between 5,000 and 7,000 miles a journey. So just think about this today. Today, I'm gonna say, uh, you know, God's like, hey, I want you to move from New Hampshire to, and if you were to pack up all your stuff, start walking, about when you get to the, Pan- the Panama Canal, you'll be almost to 5,000 miles. So this is a journey, leave where you are. If you go 7,000 miles, you, like you're getting to Brazil. So start walking. God will show you where to go, hopefully somewhere with some good food. But when you just think about that, he didn't tell Abram, hey, I've got a blessing for you. You need to leave what you know, move next door. I remember hearing stories of my grandparents. They moved so many times. They they were um, uh, both um, from Canada. They moved here in their 30s. And uh, they moved a lot. They moved to Nashville, New Hampshire, and they moved a lot. I hear different stories about them moving from one apartment to the next apartment, like just moving across the hallway, moving from one apartment across the street. And uh, I don't know why they always did that. Um, uh, But eventually, like when I grew up, they lived in the same apartment on Middle Street in Nashville near the junior high for, I, I think they lived there for like 20 years. And uh, they were the only people I ever knew who upgraded their apartment. Like they changed the flooring, they changed the kitchen around um, because they lived there so long. But God didn't tell Abram, hey, here's what you, I need to do. Leave everything you know, just move next door, move to the next town over, good enough. I, I still want you to be comfortable uh, with what I'm telling you to do. So I don't want you to have to go and have to find a new Home Depot and a new doctor and you, that would be too much for you. I, you know, I just, so just move to the next town. No, leave everything you know. We're gonna talk about giving and generosity. This is, this is not something where it's like, I, I'm just gonna do a little. No, God's gonna bring you to places you've never been before. A journey to living in the place that God has for you, I mean, it involves all kinds of things. It involves miracles, victories, trials, tests, 
You're gonna have to go to places you've never been before, see things you've never seen before, do things you've never done before. But he's bringing you to this place of generosity. And here's kind of, here's kind of the principle that we don't like, all right? Living beyond blessed starts with less. So you think, all right, God, I'm ready for your blessings. And he, what the first thing he tells you to do is to give up, to let go of. Like, wait, God, I'm supposed to be blessed. Now I've got less. This doesn't feel very, ble- I don't feel very blessed right now. This is the first step for all of us to say, oh, are you serious? Are you in this to follow me? Are you in this for the journey with me? Or are you just trying to get stuff from me? And nothing tests our heart more than having to give something away. This living beyond blessed starts with less. The one thing that we see in scripture and even through, through Abram is we pray, God bless my finances. And God says, all right, I'll bless your finances. Give it away. Start by giving 10% away and... And we're like, I don't, I, no, God, you misunderstood my prayer. Let me try that again. Bless me. Yes, give money away. God, is there someone who speaks English up there that I can talk to? <laughs> God, bless me. Yes, tithe. I'm going to find a new God, I think. What is going on? Why don't you understand about this? When we pray to God, God bless my finances, God help me through this financial mess, God change my family tree, we've been poor and broke and bankrupt forever, change it. He says, all right, start giving, start tithing 10%. And that's where most of us walk, we're just fed up, like God, you're like talking with a two-year-old, I don't get it. And this is, this is sometimes the place where we just give up. God says, hey, Abraham, I've got a blessing for you. I promise you this and this and this and this, but you gotta get up and move far, far away to start that journey. And he's like, I'm not moving, God. My whole life is here, my whole business. I'm gonna stay right here. What would have happened? His name wouldn't have been in this story. But because he was willing to leave everything he knew, he was able to experience everything that God promised some of us, um, we give, but we don't tithe. And I would say when we're talking about this journey, that's like moving the next town over, moving a couple streets over. All right, it's closer to the Panama Canal, but it's not where God's calling you to go to. God calls us to go to the whole way to the new land. Now, Genesis 14, you don't have to turn there, but I wanna share this with you. Um, Abram, who preexisted the law of Moses, uh, right here, he was blessed by the priest called Melchizedek, and the Melchizedek blessed him, and he prayed this prayer over Abram, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies to you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. He gave him a tithe, and it's an interesting thing that he did that, um, but we begin to see that this was something that Abram did. It was a practice of his life. Now, second thing here, if we're going to live this beyond blessed life, if we're going to go to the places God calls us to do and experience the things that he's promised us to have, the second thing we've got to do is believe what he says. Turn to Genesis chapter 15. 
When God says something to us, we, I mean, I do this, we try to talk ourselves out of it. Um, you know, I think that's what Corey and Rihanna, like, he will write it down. Hopefully one of us wrote a lower number that we know it wasn't God. We disagree. We'll meet in the middle. We don't have to take that big step he's calling us to take, but they wrote the same thing. Adam and Eve, if you're familiar with the Bible, the, the, the first people that God record, that are recorded in scripture, when God told them what to do, what did the devil do? He showed up and said, surely God didn't say that. And this is the challenge for us because what happens is God speaks and we try to talk ourselves out of it. Surely there's a way God will bless me without me having to do that. Surely there's a way for my marriage to be saved without me having to say I'm sorry. Surely. And this is what, listen to this. So God has spoken to Abram. So Genesis chapter 15 says, um, Abram replied, he's having this conversation with God, O sovereign Lord, what good are all of your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me, all, since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant of my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Abraham, he's got plans set up for his life that are logical, practical, and possible. He goes, you promised me all these blessings. I'm experiencing these blessings. When I die, they're just going to go to the government, to the state. They're just going to disappear. I'm going to leave them to one of my employees. He'll be blessed. It won't be wasted. He'll steward it well. So don't you worry, God. I've got it all figured out. The plans we have for our own life are pretty similar. They are logical, practical, and possible. They're not sinful. They're not ungodly. They're, they're really not even selfish most of the time. But there's a word missing. What is that word? Will you say it with me? Supernatural. And God doesn't just want us to do what's logical, practical, or possible. He wants us to allow him to do the supernatural. And again, this is living the beyond blessed life. You have no, you're an old man, your wife's an old lady, I think that's where the saying came from, and you have no children, but here's the promise for you. Go count the stars. That's how many descendants you'll have. And I tell you what, this is a, this is a, and so for us here today, what does God say for us? All right, because this promise of descendants as the stars in the sky, this is not one that applies to everybody. This is the one that applied to, to Abraham. But what is the scripture that is true for all of us? And, and Pastor Stephen read this to us the second week when he preached on first things first. But Malachi 3, 10 and 11, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, 
I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord's, Lord of heaven's armies. This is the promise for us. This is the promise that's true for every follower of Jesus that we can live in, we can experience, and we can step into. This is where um, and Rihanna said, it's so exciting to step out in faith and see what God does. This is the promise for us, that when we do this, then he does what he promises. This is the one that we, if we will believe it and begin to experience it and live it and do it, that we, um, that we can experience that. So here's the third thing here to living the beyond blessed life. It is give what he asks. Give what, what God asks us to give. And I tell you what, you know what? This is the hardest part of living the beyond blessed life. And... I, 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 I'll say this, and you, not all of you will agree, but, uh, but some of you will. Giving 10% is, is easy. It's the easy part. And it, it, maybe it's not easy the first time you do it. Maybe it's not easy the first year you do it even, but it becomes easy. Eventually, what will happen, eventually what happens is that your 90% is more than the 100% you started with because through blessings, through pay raises, through new job opportunities, your 90% is more than you've ever had. That will happen, all right? But, uh, but living on 90%, you eventually, you, you adjust your budget accordingly, you begin to just get in the routine, God, you, you just get in the rhythm, paycheck, give, paycheck, give, you experience God's hand on your life in a way you never have otherwise, and you just settle into that. Just clockwork. It's not even worship anymore. You just do it. If you set up recurring giving, thank you for doing that. Some of you don't even think about it. It just comes out. You don't even necessarily even pay attention that you're giving and you're tithing anymore. And, um, and so what happens is, eventually, God asks for more. And it's not me asking for more, it's God speaking to you. I didn't ask Corey and Rihanna, I didn't tell them a number to give, God spoke to them. Eventually God asked you for more. And he did this to Abram. So uh, he is, uh, Abraham, I'm sorry I keep changing his name on you. It's tough when you're reading huge parts of his life. He is, he's left everything. He's been generous throughout. You can read all these things, you know, generous to, to his nephew Lot, generous to, to his servants, generous to, uh, to all these, generous to Jesus when he showed up, which we learned about in a, in a series earlier this year. And, and you think, man, this guy, but then God asks for more. Genesis chapter 22, verses one and two. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith, and I think this is, this is one of the things for us. Oh, the 10%, it's, it's rhythm, it's routine for you. Let me test. You still following me? You still gonna do what I tell you to do? He says, Abraham. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, 
Yes, Isaac. So there's no, your only son, yeah, the one with the name Isaac, because he's getting, he's trying to talk himself out of it. You don't mean my son, you mean my, my kid, right? My goat, you, that's what you're talking about. No, your son, Isaac, the one whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him. Okay, if you've never been to church before, like, what in the world? Honestly, if you've been to church before, stop, and, and you've heard this scripture so many times in your life, stop and think, what in the world? This was a big deal. This is a big ask. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. And Abraham, he did what God told him to do. He took Isaac, they went to the morning, they traveled to the top of Mount Moriah. Now, he never did sacrifice him. But he, and I'll tell you more about that in a moment, but he was, God, I'll do what you tell me to do. Though I don't want to, though I'm reluctant. And what Abraham's, you can read it in the scripture as he begins to talk past the scripture. He always knew and always had faith that God was gonna do something different. So he said, we'll, we're going up to the mountain. We will be right back. It was always, it was, you know, he always knew, oh God, I'm gonna be obedient to what you tell me to do, uh, but I'm confident that you're gonna do something different. And when we give, when, we're, when, when God asks us to do more than we're doing, we have the confidence. I don't know how, but I know God will provide. I'm just gonna be obedient to what he says. Now, I've never said this before in our church, and I don't even think I've said this in private conversations, but I'll say it now, and this could be a challenge or a stretch. I know some of you are, are, are moving, gonna move this morning and begin tithing. That is, and for some of you who've been tithing for years, that is not the stopping place for you. God wants you to give more than 10%. You read in the New Testament, and when you've ever heard someone say, we don't live by the law, you know, so we don't tithe according to the law, that's true. In the New Testament, they gave much more than a tenth. And so now we begin to be people of, we don't set a limit on what God has. God, I've given my tenth. You can ask for no more. We say, God, you have my whole life, my whole wallet, my whole bank account, my whole retirement. What do you want to do with it? What do you want me to do with it? He wants you to be beyond blessed. He wants you to experience um, the, the additional things that he has for you, wild miracles, huge growth moments for your faith. He wants to show you how he provides. And what he did with uh, Abraham on Mount Moriah, as he sent a ram at the last minute or what felt like the last minute. And hey, I'm gonna provide. Do what I ask you to do. I'm going to provide the resources you need to do what I'm calling you to do. Now, I wanna share with you, church, um, some of Michelle and I's financial journey, maybe bits and pieces of I've shared over the years, but I've never shared it in one context with as much detail as I'm gonna give now. And I, I, I'm certainly not doing this to try to prop up Michelle and I. 
Uh, I've made huge financial mistakes in my life, all right? So I've had a motorcycle repossessed in my adult life. I've, um, I've made huge financial blunders. Um, there's seasons where I would forget to tithe and, um, and realize it and not have enough money to even pay back tithe. I've made huge financial mistakes in my life. I'm not a perfect person, and I will talk to you about my mistakes all day long, all right? But I do feel compelled this morning to share with you some, to share with you some of the details. Um, so I'm going to do that. I'll, be, I'll do what God tells me to do. I heard this saying my whole life, you can't outgive God. Have you heard that? Anybody ever heard that? You can't outgive God. Have you heard it? Raise your hand. Tell me you've heard that. I want you to say it with me. Let's say it, I'll say it out loud together. You can't outgive God. And I was on a trip to Africa. I was in Africa. Pastor John Cerise said it again. And for one moment, it resonated in my heart and in my ears in a way it never had before. And I felt pretty agitated about that. And I said, I've heard that my whole life. If that's true, why don't we give more? And then it, it, it was less about a judgment to other people and it quickly turned inward on myself. If this is true, why don't I give more? And it was one of those things in church that we always say, but it seems like no one actually ever lives it. Or at least they don't talk about living it. It was like, love your neighbor as yourself. No one really does that, it seemed like. And it was one of those things, but what I begin to think in that moment sitting in that restaurant, and then when I did a, 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 a Skype call, a Zoom call for the younger generation uh, with my wife a couple of days later, and I begin to talk to her about it. If it's true, I can't outgive God. If that's true, then what I'm doing right now is pathetic. And maybe we, at that point, were giving about 11 or 12% of our income. We were giving, we're tithing. We're also giving additionally to missions, uh, to kingdom builders. Now, on paper, it made sense. We were single income. We had four kids, two were in diapers, and we owned a 1908 home that was insulated with newspaper. And that is not a joke. Um, and this was during the, you know, I think, remember gas prices uh, uh, about 11 years ago, they were even higher than they are now. It was everything we could do to survive. So giving 11%, 12%, it was huge. It was a huge deal for us. It was a, it, you know, it was, it was, um, it was an act of faith, every single paycheck to be able to do that. And in that moment, throughout that trip in Africa, I've really felt God pressing me hard to give more. And as the week went by and as my Zoom calls, video calls with Michelle continued on during the week, I felt pressed by God to give $1,000 more every single month. So we were giving the uh, 11% or 12%, and then God said, above that, I want you to give $1,000 a month, and there was no way. And Michelle's here, she's on the front row, you can email her. There was no way for us to be able to do that. Not unless we lived in our minivan could we do it. 
We had no car payment at that time. We had no cable. We had no health insurance. There was nothing to cut. There was no wiggle room. We were barely surviving at that point of our life. And he called us to do more. There was nothing to move around. There's really nothing to, to liquidate. I didn't have a motorcycle. You heard that story already. And I just felt so pressed. This is the number that God wants us to do. We've got to do it. And I just, as conversations with Michelle talking about it, because again, she's not like, let's do it. She's like, how are we going to do it? And I'm like, I don't know how we're going to do it. I just feel like this is what God wants us to do. So I start telling Michelle, let's do what we can. If we can't, I'll give God. Well, what can we do? Can we do a dollar more? Well, let's do a dollar more. If that's all we can do right now, let's do a dollar more. And can we do $20 more? Well, let's do the $20 more. God wants us to get this number. Let's just try to do what we can and get close to it. And so a couple of months of doing everything we could, maybe a month, month and a half, two months. It's, I mean, it was, this is many years ago. We eventually got to like a couple hundred a month that we had moved to. And God saw that. Eventually what he saw was us bringing our Isaac up that mountain. It's what we're doing every, every single week, every single birthday, every, you know, every time a, a check would show up in the mail that we, that we weren't expecting. He saw us bringing our Isaac up that mountain and he began to provide. He didn't provide it ahead of time. It was when we were being obedient to going up that mountain, trying to get to the destination he called us to that he began to provide. And there was a couple of ways he provided. First, he gave me an idea. And I had an idea in my head. I began to talk it over with Michelle. She believed she was on board to it. It was going to involve us moving some things around, uh, uh, taking some steps that seemed crazy. So we talked to a financial counselor about it. We talked with an older Christian man about it. We talked to realtors about it. We talked to a mortgage broker about it. And after kind of talking through all these different avenues, we found out that this idea could work. Others were pointing out kind of the wisdom in it. Other, you know, even parts of the plan that I'm like, this is the safe thing to do. Our, you know, the financial guy was like, that's a dumb thing to do. It's safe, but dumb. You should do your, this idea. That's the better idea. That's the one. And so it was permission. There's a lot of people giving us permission to, to take kind of these steps that we had no business taking. Then he gave us a path. So there's the idea, and we're like, but this seems to be confirmed through avenue and avenue and avenue. Let's take the risk. Let's go for it. And so the path wasn't easy. It took a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work. It took big sacrifices. It would involve us moving three times in one year, and um, we just did that this year, but, but it's easy now. It wasn't easy then. And the question is, would we be faithful? Would we give up? Because it was going to get hard. Would we do it? And then what happened is, so we did that. We going to move all the things in line that we felt he was telling us to move. And then, and then after all of that, he gave us the ability. If my calculations are all right, my memory is right. So I try very hard not to exaggerate. It was in May when he pressed me to give $1,000 a month, and he pressed us to do that. Five months later, just five months later, we gave $1,000 above our tithe to Kingdom Builders for the first time. You feel like that's five months, Michelle's agreeing. Five months. I didn't get a pay raise. Michelle didn't start working. 
we just worked out the idea that God gave me and it began to provide the additional resources. So we did it that first October, then we did it November, then December, then January. We did that for about 10 or 11 months. Again, does that seem right to you? When, um, and we were in that process, a couple of things happened here that were, that were fun, I think fun for us just as individuals. And I don't know that we've shared this. Uh, we never shared this publicly before. Um, we eventually applied for a mortgage after that, after that 10 months and the mortgage broker asked us, how can you live when you're giving so much money away? And um, he asked Michelle because she's easier to talk to than me. And she just was like, we just do what God tells us to do. And then he asked us a, a kind of a more profound question. Why? Why would you do that? And he was just so mind blown. This guy who was about building his career and building his wealth. And, and she just shared like, we just want to follow Jesus and we want to help people. Um, the next year, our tax guy, when we sent him all our tax documents, he called us to ask, uh, to just point out a typo in our giving letter that we submitted. And I'm like, oh no, that's not a typo. That's how much we gave away last year. And it was about 31% of our single income family. Uh, 30, 35, 40%, it was in that range, 31%. And we, and we did that for a year. We did that for a year and, and I mean, it was not easy. I, I, I need you to hear me. It was not easy. We gave up all kinds of things during that. Those were the years of staycation. What, those were the years when we went on vacation, we'd go visit my brother and we'd bring our kids to playgrounds. It was summertime, schools were closed. We'd drive to playgrounds. Thankfully, they were young. But that's what, that's what vacation was. And then God told us not to do that anymore. He told us to do more. It takes my breath, it takes my breath away now thinking about it because that's, I mean, that's how I responded then. God, um, we'll do it. <laughs> um, I know you're aware, but I, I want you to be aware. Uh, this is already a huge, significant sacrifice for us. We'll do it if you want us to do it. Just want to make, and I, I know, I, I mean, it's just money, but certainly this is a, a little bit of how Abraham felt, but his, his, what he was, what God asked him to give was certainly much greater than that. And he told us to do more. It was not a suggestion. He wasn't like, how would you guys feel about this? We were told, do this now. And after church, Restoration Church, we were, uh, we were trying to buy this building that we're in right now. And we needed a large down payment to be able to do it. And so God told Michelle and I to give $30,000 over those next 24 months uh, above what we were tithing. So it went from 1,000 a month to $1,250 a month. And again, a huge challenge. Michelle still wasn't working. We still didn't have insurance. I had not gotten any raises above maybe a 2% cost of living increase. 
And we were ready, but man, it was like the wind got knocked, knocked out of you, kind of ready, like, all right, here we go. It, you know, if you ever played football, it was, you just got called to be nose tackle and you're going against three of the largest guys in the world and type of like, all right, I'm gonna give it my best shot, but I know I'm gonna walk out of here with a couple broken femurs. Over those next two years, we accomplished that goal. It was not easy. And this story I've shared before, I remember I was trying to build my kids a tree house in the middle of all of this. And uh, I was using free wood, free nails, and I ran out because I couldn't afford to buy two by fours. And this was a decade ago. It's not like it is now. Like now you get it. Back then it was like buying toilet paper. And even now that's difficult. I understand. It's a whole different world back then. And I couldn't, we couldn't afford it. And I was out there by the yard staring at this unfinished tree house that had been a year in the process you're working on. I said, God, I'm happy to give. I'm happy to give. I'm happy to sacrifice. But my kids now are sacrificing on choices you've asked me to make. And I'll keep doing what you call me to do, but I just ask God if you'll take care of my kids. And um, there was no big miracle at that moment. It was just more determination to be faithful to what he told us to do. I, I, you know, I sold any possession of value I had, any money you gave for us for birthday gifts, we put toward that goal. There was months we didn't give the 1250 because we didn't have it and we would, it was a struggle because now we're behind and trying to keep up. We had very modest Christmas during those years. We're talking about family of six, probably spending like 200 bucks on all of us for our Christmas gifts those years. And in that last month of that 24 months, we did it. We gave the last portion of what God called us to do. And in that 24 months, we gave that $30,000. There was no big lump sum. It was just little by little, step after step, painful, giving what he asked. And to be transparent with you, I want you to know we did not continue at that pace. Michelle and I both felt that once we gave that last one, that God just really kind of took his hands off our shoulders and told us to take a break after that. We still tithed, we still gave to Kingdom Builders. Um, we, you know, are, we, we're still giving probably about 15% of our income. It was good to catch breath. It was good to replace some sneakers. It was good to get some stuff fixed on the car. But we were begging God to let us do it again, which I think surprised both of us. Every miracle offering, we would feel God tell us a number and then we'd say, God, I think we can do more. And we would give above that because we wanted to be back. We wanted us to ask him of these big things again. And now we were giving out of our own allowance almost. And if you've ever seen your kid buy something for another kid out of their own money, you're like, wow. I, I, the, we had caught something. We had understood something. The miracle offerings, praying to be able to give big tithe checks, giving to strangers, praying God use us in the grace of giving. 
God, give us the spiritual gift of giving if you haven't already. And he provided. I remember, Michelle works now, and I remember the first paycheck Michelle got after 10 years of not working. Talk about feeling rich, so rich. And certainly we are. If you make over $25,000 a year, you are among the richest 5% of people in the world. If you make over $35,000 a year, you are in the richest 1% people in the entire world. You need to stop claiming poverty and being poor. You have given, been given very, very much. And you have a responsibility now to steward that well. But yeah, so now we um, receiving, you know, two income family, which was amazing. Before that, there were always streams of income that he supplies when one ran dry. We would ask him where the next one was and we'd pursue him and he'd, and he'd make that happen. There was always a next one. There was sometimes a month or two of just really, really, uh, things being really dry, feeling really parched, so feeling like, I don't know how we're gonna survive. And then all of a sudden there'd be a, whatever, a rainstorm or a trickle of a stream. And we'd say, oh God, here it comes. Okay, we can drink again. We can can move and I just want to share this with you again this is not the belief the, the beyond blessed life was the journey of being obedient and seeing all the miracles he provided the second income is not the beyond blessed life some of the testimony I'll share with you next is not the beyond blessed life it's not it's not having a it's not about stuff. Don't ever, ever believe it's about stuff. It's about God going through you and helping other people. But he provided. He provided. And then over the years, you know, that last, that last gift, I think was in 2016. And there's certainly been many miracle offerings and things that we've given to in the past. But that money that we gave over those, over those three years, um, the one years of giving to Kingdom Builders, the two years of giving toward, toward the building, trying to buy the building. He gave us all that money back. Uh, not just through Michelle getting a job, all right? In ways that I knew it was him. It wasn't right away, but every dollar we gave during those three years, and it, it, so again, this is not paycheck, all right? Because... That's certainly a blessing and that's the way God provided, but, but we had these other things happen. And every dollar we gave during those three years has been returned, I'm no mathematician, but it's been returned 685% over the last five years. So the first thing when we gave and then something happened and oh man, he's returned it. And then a couple of years that, oh man, he's tripled it. And then a couple of years after that, oh man, and the only reason I know that those blessings happened is because we did, we did all those three things. We, we um, you, you know, we, we left what we knew, we believed what he said, and then we gave what he asked us to. Again, that's not the blessing. The 685% just lets us know God was in it. And what we've done through that is given even more. 
And what was so difficult three years ago is not, it, it's not difficult in the same way. That's not the blessing. The blessing is what Corey and Rihanna said. It is so exciting to step out in faith and see what God does. This is the beyond blessed life. We close your eyes for a moment. I just want to take a moment and pray. I'm not telling any of you to give. I'm not begging you to give. Our, our kingdom builders are, is higher than it's ever been. Our, our income at the church is higher than it's ever been. It's, this is not like trying to get something out of you. This is inviting you to experience God. Some of you, your step is gonna move from giving 3% 5% and moving into the land that he has for you and starting there and begin to give 10%. Some of you, you just need to realize we give 10%. We don't even worship anymore. We don't even really think about it anymore. And to begin to ask God, God, can you grow us in a new way? And, and just and begin to ask him that. Believe what you know, believe what he says, give what he asks. And Corey and Rana said they had to do it right away. Once he spoke, they did it right away. You know, when God spoke to us, we began to do what we could right away. And eventually, um, you know, he gave us the ability to do what he asked. But we didn't wait until that ability. We started right then. Jesus, I just ask for you to speak to us. Thank you for the work you've done in Michelle and I's life. Thank you for the work you've done in Corey and Rihanna's Valley's life. And we thank you that you always, that you do provide, but we're not giving to get something from you, God. You're not a slot machine. We're not, God, if you never get back to us, that's fine because the blessing is in doing what you tell us to do. The blessing is being a part of the miracle that you call us to be a part of. It's not in getting things back from you. I pray we wouldn't have that mentality and guard our heart from that, thinking that because we've tithed that you, that you, we deserve something from you and you owe us something. That's not true. You gave us Jesus. But I just pray, God, you'd call us in there. You'd call us into this. It is a, it is a big thing for some of us to, to after years of not tithing, to, to finally begin to tithe after, maybe after two weeks of being a follower of Jesus, to take that first step to tithe for the first time. But, give, but God, I just pray, give people the courage, give people the faith, give people the obedience to do what you call them to do. And God, I pray we begin praying about kingdom builders as a way we've never prayed before and not dreading what you might tell us to do, but asking you and dreaming about what God could do through us and the impact we could make. God, when we, when we had a $20,000 goal for Honduras last year for kids' ministries, and then because of generosity, we were able to give $40,000. That is the beyond blessed life. And I pray it wouldn't stop and it would, and it would continue and gone, that we would be generous people and we would do what you've called us to do. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, um, I want to, uh, the band will play. I talked for a long time, so I apologize for that. Um, I knew that was going to be a problem. That's why I told the band to come up at 1025 so that way I would know to.